Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome. How are you today? I hope everyone is doing quite well. I'm doing well, busy as a bee, as I'm sure many, if not all of you are. And today, I'm just going to continue. But before I do, I just wanted to say, when folks, or ask rather, when folks think of you, and their interactions with you, are you perceived as a fountain or a babbling brook? Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 11 tells us that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. So today we will discover what Carol Mayhall in her book entitled, Words that hurt, words that heal. We'll discover what she has to say about the matter. She begins, the young man came in looking as though he had just been touched with sunshine. Wonderingly, he shook his head and said, I don't think I've had more than 20 minutes with Bob since I've worked here. And those have been in two and three minute snatches when he's picked me up to ride a couple of blocks with him. But every time we've had a moment, he shared something with me that was just what I needed. He was whistling softly as he turned to his desk. I thought, imagine that. Only a couple of minutes of unplanned time, yet Bob's words were a fountain of life. I sighed. I'm afraid my words are more often like a babbling brook than a fountain of life. Sometimes I chatter away without thought or sensitivity. But since hearing that young man's statement, I have prayed often. Please, Lord, make my mouth a fountain, a well of life today. A babbling brook runs on the surface, rushing helter-skelter over the rocks. A well runs deep with substance. Think back, back to the last three conversations you have had with Christian friends, apart from a Bible study or Sunday school class. I mean real conversations, not just, hi, how are you? What were the subjects you talked about? Or can you even remember? The minute I meet some people, I know how the conversation is going. No matter how hard I try with some, a whirlpool sucks us in and we swim 
in never-ending circles of money, health, neighbors, or children, work, husbands, or clothes, travel, and parties. With others, worse yet, there is no whirlpool. Instead, we float like dry leaves on a still pond, touching only at the edges, if at all, until we drift away. Recently, my husband Jack and I spent four hours with friends, friends we hadn't seen in years. My one attempt to find out what was really happening in their lives met with resistance. So we had a lovely meal, pleasant words, and a casual hug before we parted. Inside, I was sick. The shallowness grieved me, in part, because they wanted it that way. But I have some friends who never talk trivia. The minute we get together, we plunge into the deep well of refreshing, stimulating conversation, usually about what God is doing in our lives or about things we are struggling with. What a joy it is to be with them. I look forward eagerly to our times together. Those friends have become to me fountains of life. They refresh my spirit, challenge my thinking, and glorify God. The difference in these friends is in their hearts. God tells us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When our minds dwell on surface issues, we talk of surface issues. When our thoughts are mostly on problems, clothes, jobs, or other daily concerns, that's what we talk about. When we dwell deep with God, we will be to some people sometimes a fountain of life. Oh, don't let me intimidate you. Of course there is a place for small talk. Of course we'll discuss news and football games and our latest vacation. But is that all we talk about? Proverbs 10.20 reproves me often when a good man speaks, he is worth listening to. But the words of fools are a dime a dozen. Am I worth listening to? Or are my words a dime a dozen? God spells out for us that which will make us worth listening to. Talk with each other much about the Lord. Then he gives us some ideas on how to do that. Quoting psalms and hymns and singing sacred songs, making music in your hearts to the Lord. I love it. Can you remember ever saying or having someone say to you, let's quote a psalm together or let me share a hymn I've just memorized? Even so, there are ways we can make music in our hearts to the Lord. But how? Why? When? What? I am convinced that if we dwell deep with God, the overflow is going to consistently seep into our conversations. Jack and I were going through some painful things. Our future, in terms of his job situation, was vague. God kept our hearts full of peace and joy most of that time. But every once in a while, we became disheartened. One morning, 
After a particularly discouraging Tuesday, Jack was headed upstairs and I was headed down. When almost in passing, I mentioned something that God had spoken to me about in my time with him. Then Jack said, God has really been directing my heart to Psalm 62, verse 5. It talks about putting my expectations in God alone. He seems to be saying to me that I can't expect any person to solve the situation. God is going to do it, and I need to expect nothing except from him. Jack sat down on a stair, and I perched on the lower one as we took five minutes together. Encouraging? You bet. That conversation was an overflow of Jack's life and walk with God. How can we be people worth listening to? By letting our lives be filled with God himself. It's easy to write those words, but difficult to do them. And of course, it is impossible without God. He cannot be the God out there for you. He wants and needs to be the God in you, a person who claims a vital, deep, consuming place in your life. When he was 12, my husband came into a relationship with Christ as a result of a fight with the pastor's son. David and Jack were pummeling each other in the yard of the parsonage, dirt and fists flying, when Jack heard an authoritative voice say, Stop that. Jack, come in here. Jack thought, oh boy, I'm going to get it now, as he entered the pastor's study. But instead of bawling Jack out, the pastor said, Jack, have you ever asked Christ to come into your life? Jack had been in church services several times each week he was five, since he was five years old but no one had ever asked him that question. He knew that he didn't live up to God's standards of righteousness and that he never could. How could he argue with that when he had just been caught fighting with the pastor's son? Jack had been told that Christ chose to die, a very cruel death on the cross. He chose to do this to pay the penalty for the sins of the world even though he was sinless. The one who did no wrong became the substitute for the ones who deserved death and separation from God because of their sin. I I should say because of our sin. Jack understood that Christ died because he loved us. And this was the only way that mankind could ever be forgiven and enter into God's presence, both here on earth as well as in heaven. Yes, Jack knew all the facts. He just had never done anything about responding to those truths. He told the pastor, no, I never have. And the pastor asked him if he would like to. When he answered yes, the two of them got on their knees. Jack pressed his face into the old leather chair and invited the Lord Jesus Christ to come into his life to be his Savior. 
That day, Jack became a child of God. His name was written in the book of life. He became a Christ one. The first step in letting God fill your life is inviting him in the person of Christ to come into your life. But some invite him in and relegate him to a corner of their heart. In order to have speech controlled by God, we must have lives controlled by God. He must fill us full. The how of being people worth listening to is by letting our lives be filled with God himself. The why of being people worth listening to is because we are his and he wants us to radiate him. When? Continually. What should we talk about? Besides speaking of the Lord himself, the list from scripture includes the following. We should praise him. Psalm says, and I will tell everyone how great and good you are. I will praise you all day long. If we could put all of our words for one week in a computer and have them analyzed to give us the average daily percentage of praise, what would it be? I have a feeling that rather than all day long, it would be more like two minutes. I talked to a friend whose son-in-law had fallen 60 feet while rock climbing. He landed on his head and face, resulting in the loss of some vision and memory and requiring multiple surgeries with months of rehabilitation. My friend said, we thank God that he is not paralyzed. He can walk and has frontal vision in one eye. Many of us would have enumerated the problems, but my friend thanked God for the positives. Greeting the day with praise to the Lord will help our thoughts and speech be full of his praises during the day. But often as we talk on the telephone or chat with friends over coffee, our conversations are on what life has thrown at us instead of the things that God is doing in our lives. So, Praising God is one way we, um, one way of, for what we should talk about and what we should do in terms of what should come out of our mouths. Our next, we will pick up next time, continuing with the word of God, how we might use the word of God for guidance in terms of what we might speak about. So until next time, I just want to say grace and peace to you. Have a wonderful rest of the day and weekend. Thank you for listening. This is Zenobia Bailey from the Seattle, Washington area. Take care.